Hello, this is Reverend Colette Duval-Pandela. Welcome to our Wolf Wisdom Gathering in Nature's Classroom on Nature's Path. Today, Freedom joins us. Out in the wild, he would be known as a lone wolf. I just have to tell you, a lone wolf out in the wild is out searching for a mate. There's nothing in this universe that is by itself. We are a species out of one billion, and we find our like mates in every aspect of life. And I brought him here today to talk about that, and he's going to help me bring in the message and bring home the message that you are not alone. So here we go. Morning, everyone. Welcome. We have freedom with us today. Most of you said hello so far. I'm just going to let him wander around. The name of my talk today is that you're not alone. And the reason that I chose freedom is that he would be out in the wild, a lone wolf. Um, a lone wolf, just so you know, um, we call a terrorist worldwide, globally. Um, unfortunately, with the wolves, when they leave their pack, they leave in, in search of love. <laughs> they're not out to cause mayhem. In fact, it's when they're the most vulnerable, is when they're alone, when they have to fend for themselves and they have to really work towards survival. In this quest, do you know what I mean? This natural quest to keep the genetic diversity in the wild, which is the natural selection of our universe. And so they're just doing what is innately in them to do, but to go out and find a mate to settle down with and stay with for the rest of their lives. And part of what we're doing here and why you're here and why Shadowland exists is to educate, not eradicate the species. But it doesn't help when you've got a global idea, do you know what I mean, going around the world every time someone sets off something that does damage to people and it's associated with the world word wolf. Um, we, so we've got a high, high task and a high, high bar to meet when we want to try and change this idea. But think about the lone wolf <laughs> in the two-leggeds. Come on in. This is freedom. He's just going <laughs> to follow you and come sniff you. <laughs> so come relax. He's going to check you out. So think about the two-legged lone wolves. I'm a lone wolf. My whole family lives in Ohio someplace, right? I, um, the day of my 18th birthday was the day after I graduated high school, and off I went. <laughs> so who in the room is that? Who's the lone wolf, you know? And it's not necessarily that I um, was running from, I didn't have to be running from something. You're just running where you're supposed to go. And I talk a lot about your heart's desire and where you're supposed to go to find my true universal family, to live my dreams. That's why I left. And that's what they're doing too. Was it difficult? You know, when you've set out on your own someplace, just like the wolf, surviving on your own, not having the companionship, not having someone to back you up, not, you know what I mean? We even at least get a phone call. <laughs> We can stay in contact, you know? These guys leave their pack families forever, trusting that there is something else out there and some way to fulfill their destiny without their original pack. So we can hear about, you know, you're not alone, 
Obviously, a lone wolf feels alone in the world without any wolves. Do you guys know the story about Journey, the wolf from Oregon? I'll tell you really quickly. In 2011, a collared wolf um, named OR7 left his pack in search of a, um, a female. And um, he was born on the border of Idaho and Oregon. Only he went in extinct territory to search for his mate. And so he searched and searched for two springs by himself in Oregon, which is how he got the name Journey. Because some kids in Oregon got together. They were following the GPS collar. And they, they said, he needs a name. So they named him Journey. And then he crossed over into California looking for a mate there. And he made it all the way down to Chino. And of course, that was a whole spring hanging out with coyotes, which you don't want them to do that. But he's alone for now the third year in a row. Right? That was the first California wolf sighting since 1924. He has his own Facebook page and everything, so you can go look him up. <laughs> Someone made a documentary about him, and it's out there, too. I don't know whether it's viewable, you know, yet. But, um, it's, of course, it's not him in, the, in the, the documentary, but it's his story. And then he went back up to Oregon. He retraced his steps, and he met a black female, and they should be on their fifth litter this year. Yay. And uh, his GPS collar ran out about two years ago. And uh, it was last spring that we, they caught him on a critter cam. And he had a big elk leg in his mouth. So he's doing just fine. <laughs> <laughs> but what he did by spending that time alone, think about that. That is three seasons by yourself. In hostile territory, because if you know about Northern California and Southern um, Oregon, it's all Black Angus cattle territory, which is their worst enemy in the wild as far as a special interest that does not want wolves on the, on the land and have to live with them on the land with their livestock. So the fact that he's even made it this far is a miracle. You know? So you can't, we can't even fathom unless you've been alone in the world for a while, do you know what I mean? To understand what that might feel like. To not be able to find your own kind in the world. Right? And yet he did. And not only that, his offspring left that pack and went to California and created the first pack of wolves in, um, called the Shasta Pack. Unfortunately, they were poached last year. The entire pack disappeared. And now we have the Lassen Pack. And one of his offsprings made it to Nevada, and it disappeared within the first week of its sighting. So going off on your own, do you know what I mean, can feel very dangerous. And yet, what else are you going to do? If it's true that there's a natural order to the universe and you are being propelled, like literally driven intuitively to move, someplace else and go someplace else and follow those footsteps and follow whatever comes into your existence like the wolves do, you know? That's your divine purpose. Oh, can you see them? The little babies, gosh, they're so cute. They're like this big, go look. They might run if they hear you. Oh, look at them over in the corner, right by the, the right si side over there. 
And for those of you who are listening at home because I'm on a podcast, that listen to the sounds of the room just seeing life from its beginnings, from its onset, you know, that spring. We've met several Australians that come to see the wolves um, recently, and they don't have squirrels. There's no squirrels in Australia. <laughs> but I don't know. I've never, can you imagine living without squirrels? You know, and just of course, you know, that's like, woo, that's like koala bears to me. <laughs> I've never seen any. There are none here. I guess my point is, let me just get to this um, about freedom. You know, freedom likes to be alone a lot, but he likes it. He likes to meet people alone, but there's a certain point during the day where he's like, let me in. <laughs> he starts crying, and he starts crying, right? And then he comes in, and he starts to dominate the females, like he shows off for the females. He stands over them. He's like, I'm so hot. Don't you see how hot I am? <laughs> and most of them are like, oh, it's him. <laughs> and they, they just placate him. Do you know what I mean? And then he'll run around with Ojin. They got, then he gets all his playtime. He runs around with her in the house. And we're like, not in the house. <laughs> and then he lays down in the living room for about a half an hour. And he rolls with the other ones. And they have contact. And we have contact. And then about 10 minutes later, he goes and he's outside on that landing where we go on Sundays afterwards. And he stays out there by himself. But he's not in his enclosure by himself. Right? He's as close as he can get and still be alone. But he is, he craves the touch. He craves the connection. He has to have the, um, the validation, you know what I mean, that you're not alone. And yet his preference is to have kind of this solitude. And so some place in the balance of the two-leggeds, you know, finding that place where we're not completely alone in knowing that, and yet having enough alone time so you can stay conscious, aware, you know, and give to yourself and nurture yourself and heal yourself. So there's this time to be involved and give in this balancing act where you then go and have to kind of get with yourself. And so I'm going to talk about that today. Stefan Bachman says this, there's this special talent that humans have that they can be unhappy no matter where they are. But humans have another special talent. We can be happy almost anywhere too. We can be happy because we're not alone. So before we get too much further, we're going to do our opening meditative song. For those of you who haven't been here before, welcome just kind of uncross yourself, sit in your seat. You're here. You can let everything go. Let the chair hold you. Don't hold on to yourself. Mother Earth has the chair. You can't fall. Okay. And breathe. Neo. 
protection from a mother's warm embrace. We are held in the hands of grace. We are held in the hands of grace. Forever safe in the what I know. No matter where I look, I understand and I believe that there is a creative energy, a creative force, the creator of all things seen and unseen, and that it is powerful, it is magnificent. And I believe that we are made from, and this energy flows in, around, and through us. And we are perfect, whole, and complete, and as magnificent as all of the universe in its design, and that we are designed to be that too. And my question is always, what else could we be? So that I know, and I claim for each and every one of you, that your heart's desire is leading you to a divine destiny. The reason you are here, and that you alone have these unique talents, your spirit, the thing you were created to do, just like the wolves. And wherever you go and however you perform this, that only you uniquely can share that with the universe and the world and with each other and the planet. You are here to be you. And nobody else and nothing else but you. That's how precious we all are. That's what I know. And I know no matter where you are, how long you live, how long you are here, you leave an impression that lasts for generations. Your impact in this life is heard for centuries around the world. And so I release these words and knowing that there is goodness to them, that there is good coming to me, that there is good that came before me now, the good that is standing here in front of me, <laughs> good that is coming in the future. I say thank you, thank you, thank you for all those precious gifts and blessings. I release these words knowing that there is universal truth to them in the universe and that we are held in the hands of the grace of this great creative energy that we come from. And I say, and so it is. Some people say, Amen. The Native Americans say, Aho. Namaste. Malak Al-Halabi says this, When the wind blows in your face, when you feel you are losing your head, when, you are, when the going gets tough, and when all else fails, look inside you. You are not alone. Imagine that wolf for three years where it had to go. Where did it have to go in order to continue in this wild world 
full of hunters, bears, mountain lions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Right? Rochelle Goodris has this. Just knowing you're not alone is often enough to kindle hope amid tragic circumstances. And sometimes you may be alone physically, but you are not alone in your experience of the universe. Someone out there has been through what you've been through, something similar. And it is our job to be empathetic. Not necessarily sympathetic, but we can have compassion for somebody else's troubles and their pains. Because why? Because you've got them too. And they may not be similar. They may cross this way, but everybody has an imagination, which is what empathy is, is to imagine what it might be like for that person. And you find some heart for them. And that's all they need to know. That's all anybody needs to know in order to know you're not alone. And then that energy of that heartfelt, you know, moment translates anywhere you need it to go. The seen and unseen. Saint Exupery says this, those who pass by us do not go alone and do not leave us alone. They leave a bit of themselves and a little bit of us. How could you not? If you experience people that way, how come it's possible or in your brain maybe to think that they don't experience you the same way? Do you know what I mean? It's like, think right now of all the people who have touched your hearts in the way I just spoke about. You're never going to forget that. You're never going to forget them. You have done that also. So in those times where you feel like, nobody loves me. <laughs> I'm all alone. Will I ever make it? And I'm making fun of it because this has been my whole week. I, I'm telling you, every single talk I do is because I'm going through what I'm talking about. And I share it with you as honestly and as authentically and as spiritually as I know these principles. Not just for you, but because I need them in order to get on my feet during the week given certain circumstances. And so when you're like, why is this happening? I don't understand. You know, I feel forsaken. <laughs> I need to remind myself that I'm not alone, you know? That we have a dream that we're supposed to step forward into. That there, no one promised us it wouldn't be difficult, you know? That we wouldn't suffer, that we wouldn't suffer loss, that we wouldn't then meet people and, and attract people into our lives that go, I can help you with that. You know, and depending on how you're feeling, like I said, those moments seem fewer and far between the moments of nothing's working out. I don't know what to do. Look what I just messed up. How am I going to make it through that? And then you get somebody comes in and goes, wow, look what you've done. And you go, oh, thank you. <laughs> You get that validation that freedom gets from the girls when he comes in. You know, I'm connected. Wow, somebody gets it. And then that takes you to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. 
as long as you let it in, you know? Instead of, in, you know, when someone's there for you and you go, yeah, if you only knew, right? And you're hanging on to the hurt rather than seeing that we have found each other in the world at this moment in order to give something to each other. A. Lynn says, couches and tables and beds don't make a home. Home is where you feel less alone. In my household, it was very lonely. Part of the reason I got in the car and left on my 18th birthday. <laughs> you know? You can be under a, a roof and feel mightily alone. You can be at a school in a classroom and feel mightily alone. You can be in a job, in a career. You can be, you know, you can be with a crowd and feel really alone. Travis Donkey says, sometimes when I'm alone, I wonder if it really counts as being alone since I am covered in millions of other living organisms. <laughs> I just met a bug guy yesterday. He's called Bug Guy. He's actually a scientist, and insects are his thing. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. What he, I know, listen to them. I always break when they howl. I wish I had a microphone out there. It's true. It's true. They're telling us they're not alone. That we are not alone. No, sometimes, you know, the, the wolves, they go in the pond, and I go look in the pond, and there's tadpoles, and there's little minuscule tiny bugs. They just shake themselves off and then go jump on my bed. <laughs> so when I saw this quote, I was like, you have a, you have, you don't know I mean anybody who has a cat or a dog that goes outside. Do you know what I mean? What we are living with, <laughs> how many organisms we are living with. You know, I can't watch those shows like, uh, what is it, Doctor Oz, who's like, this stuff is in the, you know, microscopically. If I paid attention to what's microscopic in my house, <laughs> life would be no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, there's no such thing as sanitary. But I got a killer immune system as a result, though. Yes, I believe in that. <laughs> Hiba Fatima Ahmad says, we are one species out of a billion. When you think you're so special, you know? One species out of a billion. We have no idea what's out there. But those billions, I go back to the beginning, were created from the same energy, the creative energy that we are made of and from. It's all one. We're all part of it. Don't pull away from the rest of the world. For those of you that are out there with no friends, with no one to support you, those who are being neglected, 
You are never alone. Somewhere on this earth, there is always someone who is there for you. There's always someone that cares about you and feels your pain. There's always someone that will understand your story. Don't be afraid to come out of your shell. Don't be afraid to interact with people. Don't be afraid to be who you are. Dare to dream, explore, and love. The outcomes are worth it. What Journey has contributed to the wolves in the Northwest is worth it. What he will continue to contribute for generations with his line, with his pack line. We're not any different than that. And for those of you who know about wolves and how they're keystone species in that they protect the environment, not only do they protect the environments that they live in, they enhance the environments they live in. A small pack of 14 can heal the land in an exponential way, in a way that we will never even imagine. Everything lives because they're present. If you don't think you have the same thing going on with you, then we're not in touch with our true nature, which is what they teach me. I can see it in freedom, but sometimes I look in the mirror and I can remember all my disappointments and all my failures and everything that I'm not being able to, you know, um, accomplish right now. And I can look in the mirror and diminish myself better than anybody has ever done before. Right? And then I look at Freedom, and I look at Dakota, and I look at Ojin, and how she looks at me, and I go, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you for reminding me who I am. And we're supposed to do that for each other. That's what we're here for. For those of you who don't have Freedoms and Dakotas and Alaskas, <laughs> you know, I've got 10 of those beings that greet me every morning, and still I go through what I just said. Because of what is pounding, do you know what I mean, in our brain before we get to whatever age you are right now. And so it's really important that you understand who you are and know that you are not alone in this universe. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. We would have died off. Like the other billions of species that no longer exist. And extinction is forever, they say. We're not extinct. We're in the billions. And so we need to know who we are to go further, to actually step out into the world and give that kind of contribution where you are the person and you are and have the talents to heal whatever environment you're in. Just by being you, not by doing anything, by the way. You know what I mean? Don't take that as a challenge to go out and go, I'm going to be this, my spiritual self and I'm going to do everything I can to heal my environment wherever that is. And you don't have to go out and do that. You just have to show up and know what your heart is. And be true to that and be authentic. It shouldn't be difficult. It should be just freedom showing up and going and looking at you and letting you pet him and having contact. It should just be that simple. Just show up with your whole self. That's where it gets difficult.
depending on where you come from, right? Kathy McCullough says, I'm not alone now either. The world is all around me. People leave, but there are always more coming. The catch is, is that you have to open the door and let them in. Already said that previously. Amy Tan says, our uniqueness makes us special, makes perception valuable, but it can also make us lonely. The loneliness is different from being alone. You can be lonely even surrounded by people. The feeling I'm talking about stems from the sense that we can never fully share the truth of who we are. I experienced this at an acutely early age. Right? There's a certain time in your life and it starts about three to five when whatever you're wearing is unacceptable to your, you know what I mean, your peers, to the authorities, you know what I mean? Just wearing what you want to wear becomes an issue of your individuality. I grew up with a dress code back when they had them, you know? I know all kinds of private schools have dress codes. And they have it to homogenize everybody. Do you know what I mean? So that you don't draw attention. So that you're there to study. And then on the plus side of it, then, you know what I mean? If everybody's dressed the same, you don't have the competition. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like trying to navigate through all of that and have your individuality at the same time. But just that we are talking like that, that we have to pick at people's look, what they look like. A whole nation of people, the Native Americans, were literally eradicated because they looked different than the Europeans. And there was no embracing of what they were or who they were and how they were living and what their spiritual beliefs are, who they, what importance they had because we didn't understand it. And so the wolves are going through the kind of the same thing. I had a meditative dream that we were told to, by a Native American who had a tribe here on this land who said that he and his tribe died because people didn't get them. And he said, there's a black wolf coming and it's a must. And I asked why and he said, because he will eradicate the fear because people see wolves the same way. But I also know that they see you the same way if you look different than them. And so it's a bigger purpose here, do you know what I mean, that we're trying to accomplish. That no matter who you are and how you show up physically in the world. And for those of you who met Wakan, who is the black wolf, we did go get. <laughs> it, it's interesting that he's wild enough that you do have this little bit of fear, right? And yet, when you get close enough to him, he's just a big baby Lala. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And yet, you see this black wolf. For those of you who haven't seen him, when you see him, there's this, oh, oh, wow. First time I saw Dakota's father. Dakota was this little baby Lala, like really little. <laughs> he was 15 days old. And I come around the corner to meet his dad, and I literally was knocked back four to five feet. Wow. 
really, I'm going to go over there? <laughs> you know, and not within 10 minutes, I took Dakota to say goodbye. You know, and let him say goodbye. And all he did was kiss my hand. But this big black wolf, you know, this 115-pound black wolf, visually was that powerful to knock me back because of my prejudice. Because of my perceptions going into it. Because I wasn't open to anything new. Do you know what I mean? That was comfortable to me. So when I call this wolf wisdom and I say that these guys teach me every single day to be more open and to be more myself and actually be more authentic, they have. They have. In June, it will be 10 years since I've had this experience with them. And I treasure it and I honor it. Jeff Zentner says, a liquid rose gold warmth Whatever color is on the opposite end of the spectrum from the color of aloneness fills me briefly. You know? A spiritual community is where you go to get support. Do you know what I mean? I'm hoping that you will leave today with that warm color. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That then you can remind you if you're going from here to some place that's lonely for you. Somewhere where you feel alone in something. That's my job, is to give you that kind of feeling, to inspire you on that level and let you know who you are spiritually, you know, and that you're going to be okay. And hopefully you go home with that after meeting the wolves and getting that kind of attention. And then that's a touchstone that you can grasp onto in those moments where someone shames you into believing that you don't matter. And then you can remember, oh, I matter. Alaska kissed my face. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what they're here for, wolves and wellness, right? And then you go, wait a minute, they are so wrong. And you build your spirit back and you remember who you are from those moments that you get. Helen Keller, walking with a friend in the dark is better than walking alone in the light. Paul Tillich, loneliness expresses the pain of being alone and solitude expresses the glory of being alone. Difference between loneliness and solitude, right? I read a quote, but this is for moms, you know. I, so some mothers just, I just want to be able to go to the bathroom alone. Some <laughs> solitude, you know, with nothing pounding on the door and needing to be in there with you, right? You know? Just some solitude, the prayer tree, Nature's Path Healing Center, places where you can go and walk and sit alone with yourself and gather together and remember who you are and let that creative energy flow through you. Goethe says, the soul that sees beauty may sometimes walk alone. You know, when you are, you know, following the beat of a different drummer, is that the saying? Did I say it right? You know, when you're following that beat, and it's your own beat, and it's your own heart, and you find beauty in something, and somebody else is going, are you crazy? Because they don't get it. And then, you, you know, sometimes just to be yourself is very lonely. Sometimes just to stand up for yourself is very lonely. 
sometimes to stand against an entire school and the thought. Do you know what I mean? It's very lonely. Being a dissident is very heroic. heroic. Being a martyr is very heroic over history. We remember you, but look what you had to do in order to stand up for beauty, in order to stand up for authenticity, in order to stand up and make the impression that you came here to do. Audrey Hepburn, for a beautiful eyes, look for the good in others. For beautiful lips, speak only words of kindness. And for poise, walk with the knowledge that you are never alone. One of the most beautiful women who ever lived. And if you know her story, she had a devastating childhood. So she was able to walk in beauty and in light after those hardships were over, informed by that. So she was a big movie star, do you know what I mean, when she was young. And then she was um, UNICEF, I believe, was their spokeswoman for years and took care of others in the world less fortunate and that's how she lived her world that's how she the mark that she gave now this is I I, I kind of debated bringing this quote in but I, I'm gonna say it anyway Calvin Coolidge says this nothing in this world can take the place of persistence talent will not nothing is more common than unsuccessful men with talent genius will not unrewarded genius is almost a proverb Education will not. The world is full of educated derelicts. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. You got to get up, no matter what. You got to get dressed and you got to show up, no matter what. That's what I see in this quote. It sounds more like, you know, a charge to call to arms, you know, to me, because it sounds hard. And sometimes in moments in your life, it's hard to get up, suit up, and show up. And yet you need to, just like the lone wolf, just like Journey, had to get up every single night, because they're nocturnal, corpuscular, and go eat, defeat himself, look for his mate. Travel wherever his feet take him, alone, without his pack. To do what is divine destiny and what he was meant to do on this planet. And I believe that was not necessarily preordained, that he was the one that left his pack. It's just that he was the one that left his pack. You know, everybody wants to know. It's like, how did he get there? Does it matter? Does it matter how you got here in this chair sitting here now, right? Where are you going? It doesn't make any difference to psychoanalyze the whole part of it. Just know what your heart wants to do and go there. And trust that something will happen that's beautiful because of it. Um, the Native Americans believe this, and in my actually in my teachings and where I got my ministerial license, the idea is that you, the creative energy flows through in around and through us not only are we made of it but it's constantly flowing constantly creating so when in, in the middle when I do that opening treatment or that prayer I say I claim for each and every one of you you claim 
and create. We know this. Metaphysics has taught us this. It's been known since the 40s that thought and energy comes first. And then it manifests. Stop looking for it to manifest. Start creating. <laughs> right? So you use that creative energy. The Native Americans have the great mystery. That's what most people would call God. The great mystery. They don't even try and figure it out because why bother? <laughs> they just know. They call it a mystery for a reason. It's a mystery. Leave it alone. <laughs> But what they also believe is in the great creator, and when they pray, when they use the medicine wheel for all our relations, they pray not just, you know, don't, you know, God put that coat in my closet or put that car in my driveway, you know. They don't pray for individual things, you know. They pray for everything, for what they want, because we have universal needs. If you want to create something, if you want to create prosperity, if you want to create abundance, then you are asking nature to help bring rain to do the crops. Do you know what I mean? It's like so everybody can eat. That's what they pray for. But it's not necessarily praying so that they get favor from it. They are calling on the great creator for the universe and nature to work the way it's supposed to for everyone's benefit. That's what the prayers are for. If we could only just get that, that when we sit down to pray over food, do you know what I mean? Yes, we are grateful. But it's because of the abundance that's here already and that we get to partake of. And you keep calling that in every time you claim the, from the great creator, this is what we need as a people. Right? Instead of praying for things and then hope that you get it and then you're disappointed when it doesn't come and then you don't have any faith anymore in whatever spiritual belief you're in. You know? There's a bunch of people out in the world following all these rules, keeping them like submissive to whatever, hoping to get favor, not just here in this world, but later in the afterworld. Now, I know that is people's belief systems, but I don't think we were supposed to wait. You can't wait to get fed. You can't wait to drink water that's clean. You can't wait for love. There. We're here now. It doesn't utilize the gifts that we have that we came with be here for each other so create it call it in claim it as your own it is your birthright your divine destiny is your birthright and you're here on this planet to work with nature that's going to give it to you Jim Rohn my mentor said let's do it not you go do it <laughs> How powerful when someone says let's, when someone says let's. This is probably the only support group I have other than the people I work with that I have, from the time I've been 20 something, I've had a support group of some kind. And mine lasted years. The last one kind of fell apart when one person moved to Hawaii. But we met for almost seven years with each other once a week for two hours. 
you find your people and get together. And we Skyped it so you don't have an excuse about not being in there in person anymore, right? You can get anywhere to somebody and have a support group of people who know what you're going through. Keep coming back. It works. That's like what 12-steppers end their, their meetings with. Because it's let's heal together. Not you go take care of it, and then when it's done, maybe I'll let you into my world. Right? And that's what most of us fear, is that you know if you have a malady or something's going on in your life, and it's a little too ugly for me, right? go fix it, and then when it's over, come back. And people are compassionate for a month or two, but then after that, they're like, ah, can't do it anymore. Right? Part of it is that what we are alone in is our own healing process. Nobody can heal you. People call themselves healers. Right? Some people have a lot of knowledge about healing. And so they're called healers. But when you're looking for someone who says, I can heal you, that's probably not someone who really understands healing. Healing comes from within. I'm not saying that there's not tools and that there's not medicine of all kinds. Do you know what I mean? And we are medicine to each other. But it is up to you to heal. I understand your heart, but I don't know your heart. Nobody knows your heart the way you do. And sometimes it's painful to get into that place where it's too hard to even be in the pain, do you know what I mean, to face it yourself. And yet you're the only person who can make that difference to yourself with support, with information, with compassion, with empathy, with others, and with support. We can get together and we can let's help each other heal. But it's still on you. Unfortunately, as unfair as that may sound, right? Because a lot of us take the world as that something has been done to us. And that is true. Events happen. There are perpetrators. There are accidents. There are tragedies. You know? It doesn't matter what happened to you, no, none of that out there can make a difference in the way you heal and how fast you heal and if you're going to heal. Only you can do that. I found this, um, uh, this Russian filmmaker who was brilliant. He said these things. His name is Andrea Tarkovsky. Now I want to go look up his films. But he says this, and in all my films, it seems important to me to remind the audience to the fact that they are not alone, lost in an empty universe, but they, they are connected by innumerable threads with their past and their present, that through certain mystical ways, every human being realizes the rapport with the world and the life of humanity. He also says this, weakness is a great thing and strength is nothing. When a man is just born, he is weak and flexible. When he dies, he is hard and insensitive. When a tree is growing, it is tender and pliant. But when it's dry and hard, it dies. 
Hardness and strength are death's companions. Pliancy and weakness are expressions of the freshness of being because what has hardened will never win. You want to heal yourself, right? If you've got a place in there that's vulnerable, embrace it. Now, he's using the word weakness, and I don't know whether that's because it's being translated from Russian into <laughs> English, you know, but I see weakness as vulnerability. Be who you are. You know how easy it is to get a cut and a scratch? I've got a splinter that I for have, for keep forgetting to take out. You know, it's like seriously, you know. <laughs> I just reminded, I'm like picking at it. I've got two splinters that I forgot to take out since Thursday. Those can fester. You see what I mean? It's like, it's just, it's not, we are that sensitive that a little piece of wood from picking up something can get into your body and your skin and cause damage. Take care of it. Love on it. I got to pick it out with my tweezers and put some hydrogen peroxide and some manuka honey or some neosporin. Do you know what I mean? And then I'm going to go, wow, look how good I take care of myself. Great job, Colette. You need that. Everybody know the movie E.T.? Because this guy, when he's talking about the um, Steven Spielberg movie, and I used to be in the business, and I would see the movies before they actually got released because you have this fun thing when you're a union member <laughs> that you can see these movies. I was in an entire movie theater watching E.T., and we were literally at the end of the movie when, you know what I mean, when he wakes up, people were grabbing each other's hands and crying together. And I was, I don't even remember how old I was. I was 20-something. But you know what I mean? I was like, I'm holding a stranger's hand. <laughs> In any other circumstance, that would have been traumatic for me. <laughs> you know? But I noticed I was watching the whole thing from this point of view of, look what this director, you know, because I was learning how to impact people that way because I wanted to do that with, you know, my own talent. And I, we were holding hands. And then we were looking at each other going, well, we're holding hands. And then we kept holding hands over a movie. Over a movie. Right? Later on in New York, Schindler's List came out, same director. And at a certain point in that film, I realized that we were all Hundreds of people in a room were breathing at the same time. We were breathing at the same level at the same time, watching this moment together. Do you know what I mean? In unison, having the same experience. And what that says to me is that that's where we all are, just at different times, do you know what I mean, in our lives with each other. That this energetic connection where we all connect to each other in our joys, in our pains, our ecstasies, and our suffering, you know, in our challenges. We're all in this together. And that's as it should be. Maya Angelou says this, information helps you see that you are not alone, that there's somebody in Mississippi and somebody in Tokyo who have wept, who've all longed and lost, who've all been happy, 
So the library helps you see not only that you are not alone, but that you are not really any different from everyone else. You can see that now on the internet. We don't need libraries anymore. Do you know what I mean? You can find it all there. It reminds me of when they were doing at Standing Rock just recently, um, Barack Obama was still president. And the police were moving in and treating these peaceful, you know, people who just wanted to protect the land and the water. You know where he was? He was in Laos. And students there asked him, <laughs> what about what's happening in Standing Rock? And there's video of him just stepping back with the microphone, totally blindsided by what was happening in Standing Rock. Children from Laos, Southeast Asia, had to tell the president what was happening in his own country, in his own state, when the next day something was done about it. Not to all of our liking, you know, some of us, but kids in Laos knew what was happening in Standing Rock when people in Texas didn't. That is not okay. But information, what I heard in that and what I loved about that is that people everywhere are paying attention to everywhere else and connecting and standing up. You know that I talked about that? You know, the beauty of standing up and being who you are, right? He got called out by kids in Laos. Good for them. John Burroughs says the universe is a pretty big place. And the one thing I know about nature is that it hates to waste anything. So I guess I'd say if it is just us, an awful lot of space is going to waste. The earth is not alone. It is not like a single apple on a tree. There are many apples on the tree, and there are many trees in the orchard. Jane Kennard says, to love yourself is to care with a gentle heart about your state of being. Not clothes, shoes, a job, but to see yourself as a part of a greater love. You know? If you are made from the universe and made of such magnificence, how can you be alone in that? It's not possible. It's not scientifically impossible. You know what I mean? It's not scientifically possible that you are not part of this universe and here for a reason. But once again, healing is a private affair. And that's why solitude is so important. Not loneliness, but time that you take for yourself. Teal Swan says this, many people think that being spiritual means being positive. But being spiritual means being conscious and aware. To become conscious is a much different thing than being positive. To become conscious and aware, we must be authentic. Authenticity includes both positive and negative. I come from a time when I was studying in the 80s, and it's like, this is not my reality. This is not my reality. This is not my reality. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be positive. <laughs> Look at my head. I was spinning. It was inauthentic. There was nothing right about my world, and there was nothing right about me and my connection to myself. It wasn't until I took task 
Do you know what I mean? I went down inside and I pulled all that ugly crap up and I looked at it and I had enough people around me who said, that deserves love. As ugly as that is, you need to love on it. And that's your job. And it can be an ugly business, right? But that mud and that yuck and that slime and that sludge will start to just melt away and underneath you will find this shining light that you are and what you were meant to be in the world. I chose Lady Gaga to sing today. <laughs> um, I'm going to take a drink of this before I try it. <laughs> but for those of you who out there, if you are a musician or you sing or, you know, if you would like to contribute on Sundays here at least once a month, I get somebody pointing at somebody over there. Please let me know. As much as I love to sing, I would like to have more people sing for me. So here we go. Lady Gaga's A Million Reasons. Oh, I have to stand up for this one. Just 
Thank you. needed to tell the world that today. <laughs> Always remember that in some way or another, you're somebody's angel, even if you don't know it. They love you and think of you even if you don't hear it every day. Trust that there is love all around you even if you cannot find it. You are not alone. Namaste, everybody.